Welcome to our conversation about faith, sexuality, and gender. Whether you're new to this topic or have read many books on it, I pray that the next few weeks of conversation and study will be fruitful and rewarding. The ideas included under the terms faith, sexuality, and gender are many, and there's no way we can tackle them all in five weeks. To be clear, the primary focus of this study is on lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender LGBT people and what the Bible says about their experience. Some of you may have personal interests in the subject. Your son or daughter is gay, you have LGBT plus friends, or perhaps you are wrestling with your own gender identity or sexual attraction. On the other hand, some of you may wonder why this topic warrants its own five-week conversation. After all, only a small percentage of the population, about 4%, identifies as LGBT+. That statistic is sort of true, but only sort of. While only 4% identify as LGBT, about another 5% wrestle with their sexuality or gender identity on some level. This, of course, affects their mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, friends, neighbors, and co-workers, which brings the percentage up to about 25% of the population who are deeply affected by this conversation. And that's not all. One of the main reasons why young people are leaving the church is over how Christians have mistreated or failed to love LGBT plus people. My friend Bill Henson has trained more than 50,000 Christian leaders to navigate questions on faith and sexuality. Over and over, leaders tell him that how Christians talk about LGBT plus people is intrinsically related to whether younger straight people want to have anything to do with Jesus. In fact, Bill has confidently concluded, and many other pastors I've talked to agree, that the evangelical church is about to lose an entire generation of Christians over how it has handled or mishandled this conversation. Younger people need to be shown a better way, the way of grace and truth the way of Jesus. One way or another, most Christians are affected by this conversation, and that's why this study might be one of the most important faith conversations you have this decade, or even the next. Grace Truth 1.0 and 2.0 Grace Truth 1.0 is written primarily for Christians who believe in the authority of the Bible. You can think of it as a sexuality and gender 101 guide that talks about language, relationships, and what the Bible says about marriage and same-sex relations. We'll emphasize two main themes in the study. One, LGBT plus related questions are not just about issues, they're about people. Two, we can have confidence that the traditional Christian marriage ethic, one man and one woman, is indeed biblical. Part 2 of Grace Truth 2.0 is more of a 201 guide for Christians and dives deeper into some complex aspects of this discussion. It wrestles with questions such as, were transgender people born into the wrong body? Are intersex persons neither male nor female? Why are some Christians changing their view about marriage to include same-sex couples? Is gender fluid or stable? And how can churches effectively care for people struggling with their sexuality or gender? While Grace Truth 1.0 is a standalone study, and I think you'll learn a lot from it, I highly encourage you and your group to go through both 1.0 and 2.0. Even if your group can only commit to Part 1, perhaps you personally can go through 2.0, if indeed you were challenged and blessed by 1.0. A couple things to note as you're reading through this study. First, throughout our conversations, I'll reference various pastoral papers that go deeper into some points I make in this conversation, along with some episodes in the Grace Truth podcast, both of which you can access on the website of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, www.centerforfaith.com. 
The papers and podcasts are both optional. You can go through the study without accessing them. But for those who want more theological depth and practical guidance, you might find these studies helpful. Second, you may have noticed that I've used the acronym LGBT plus a few times already. I'll explain what I mean by this in conversation too. In short, I'm using the acronym to describe anyone who is attracted to people of the same sex or who experience gender dysphoria, that is, serious discomfort with their biological sex, or identifies with a gender different from their biological sex. The plus sign includes any other sexual minority or gender variant, meaning somebody who doesn't express themselves as male or female, who doesn't quite fit the LGBT acronym, for example, pansexual, asexual, gender fluid. If you already have a bunch of questions or are confused, please hang on until conversation one. With that in mind, I want you to meet my friend Jordan. His story has reshaped how I think about people who are LGBT+.